You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. I want to just recognize, you know, as we're continuing this series on the prophet Elisha, we're in week two. Um, we're going to talk about some really supernatural things. We're going to talk about things that are not necessarily within the paradigms of American culture and the safety that we enjoy when we, when we think about God. Many of us, when we think about God, we like God as an idea, but not necessarily as a reality. We like God as, you know, maybe moral choices or sort of, you know, breakthrough in terms of thinking. But this idea of like God's hand and like the supernatural God that we read about in the Bible doing stuff in our lives, some of us become unsettled by that. And so here's the thing I need you to know, okay? It's going to get weird today, all right? So go ahead, just turn to the person sitting next to you and say, it's about to get weird. Go ahead. <laughs> don't say I didn't warn you. All right, so look, if you've got a Bible, open it up to 2 Kings chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. 2 Kings chapter 2. Let me recap a little bit. This is a series about a guy named Elisha. Now, whenever we talk about Elisha, we have to talk about Elijah. They're two different guys. And so look, here's the difference. We're going to put these names on the screen right here. Okay, listen, there's Elijah. I don't know what just happened there. Um, there's Elijah and Elisha. Can we get some help in the tech booth? Hallelujah. Praise God. One more time. All right. One more time. Elijah. Do we have it? We don't have it. Do we have it? That's worse. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, we'll work with it. I don't know. All right. Y2K. All right, look, Elijah and Elisha, different guys. So you've got Elijah, the prophet. He's a guy that shows up in the history of Israel, leads people back to God in repentance. Fire falls from heaven. And last week we saw how Elijah was like, God, I'm done. These people are crazy. Like everything that I'm doing doesn't matter. Like I'm wasting my time. And he became depressed and he prayed that he might die. Enter this guy, Elisha. God goes, rather than God saying, listen, man, you, you, I need you. Like, it's all about you, Elijah. He goes, listen, well, if you don't want it, somebody else will. So you know what? I want you to leave here. And I want you to anoint this guy, Elisha, to succeed you as prophet. And we saw how what Elisha did was when he received this news, like when Elijah shows up, he threw his cloak around him. He says, come with me. Elisha is like, yes, to the point where, you know, he, he had a family oxen business. And he slaughters all the oxen. And then what he does is he burns his plowing equipment. And the reason that he does this is because he's like, you know what? I, I'm not going to give myself any plan B. I'm never going back. I'm going after the Lord with everything that I have. Because he is all about, he's pursuing the Lord, pursuing the Lord. He values God in this way. And so last week we touched on this idea of okay, like Elijah would train Elisha as prophet. And now Elisha has been serving Elijah. They've been together for some time. And now we're going to see the end, where, where they go their separate ways, where Elijah leaves, and Elisha steps into his destiny. And so here's how the story goes in 2 Kings, sorry, or chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. <clears throat> now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by where one, and I love the way this begins, by the way, because it doesn't begin with like a typical literary, like, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, or anything. Like, the author assumes you know this story. Because he writes to a real group of people in history, and this is the type of thing that doesn't happen every day. And so they go, oh yeah, that time. Like they've heard about it already. And so he references, okay, remember that time that God did this? Okay, well here's how, how it went about. 
when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Now he continues. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Let's pause here for a moment, okay? Something to understand is that three times in this story, Elijah is going to give Elisha an out. Three times he's going to go, listen, just stay here. Just, just stay back. Just stay back. And every single time, Elisha's like, I'm not going anywhere, man. Now, this is important, okay? Because for how many of us, for how many of us, when it comes down to some of the things that God does, maybe we are on an edge of breakthrough that we're not aware of, and we keep taking outs. Can, can I just say that for a second? Like, like, okay, like, you know, like you're, you're going towards something, and like, you know, like a, a difficulty comes up, a trial comes up, and you're like, oh, man, I'm done. I'm gone. What would happen if you persisted through it? What would happen if you perceived your roadblocks not as an obstacle towards your blessing, but a means to get there? Am I preaching? Are you with me so far? Okay, so here's what happens. The suspense begins to build. It says this. All right. So they went down to Bethel. Neat. And, <laughs> and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha. and said, So they get to the town of Bethel, um, which means house of God. Okay, they came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that, no, go back, today the Lord will take away your master from over you. So, okay, they come out like, dude, something's about to go down. Do, do you know about this, right? And I love, here's, here's Elisha's response. And he said, yeah, I know, keep quiet. <laughs> like, guys, we're trying to enjoy a moment here. And if you're coming out here with like, God's going to take him down, it really spoils the mood. Okay, like, like, shh, all right? And he does it more than once. Okay, so it continues. All right, so Elijah said to him, Elisha, look, and here it is again. Stay here. Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so they came to Jericho, it says. Now, I want to pause here for a moment, okay? We have had the names of three towns mentioned thus far in the story, <coughs> and they're significant. The author isn't just including them for the sake of including them, okay? And here's the thing to understand. In including these details, what the author of Kings is doing is he's trying to point your eyes towards something else. So, thus far we've dealt with a prophet who's been like leading people towards God, who has, who has before he appoints this other guy, been on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, seen the glory of God come down, spoken to by God. And now he's succeeding, he's giving his office to someone else. And that sounds like somebody that I've seen before. In fact, here's the detail of these towns, okay? So Gilgal, Bethel, and then Jericho. They are, like, what Elijah and Elisha are doing is literally they are retracing the steps of the first places that the Israelites took when they came into the promised land. And so what, what he's doing, listen, these details, he's meant to remind us of Moses and Joshua. Like, all these details, just think about Moses and Joshua, think about Moses and Joshua, think about Moses and Joshua, because the same type of thing that God did then, he's about to do now. Different season, different like outcomes, but in terms of the, the idea of succession of prophet, that's what he wants us to see. In fact, he's going to go out of his way to show you that Elisha has a lot in common with Joshua because the type of people that God uses in this way, they have a very similar heart. And so, <coughs> pardon me, getting over it. I will never make fun of anybody coughing in church ever again. I've got it too. All right, look. So, 
our story continues. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near Elisha and said to him, here it is again. Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you? And he answered, yes, I know. Keep quiet. He, he really, guys, I, like it's been nice. We've been talking about kittens. It's been awesome. And you're talking about this death thing. Like, all right. So again, and here's Elisha. Look at this. Then Elisha said to him, please stay here. Elisha, you, you can just hang back. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So it says the two of them went on. And now here's where it gets crazy. Okay, so now they've, they've gone from Jericho. They're going towards the Jordan. This is going to begin to evoke imagery uh, of Joshua as well. So look at this. It says 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. So the, the, these other guys are watching them go on. And as they were both standing by the Jordan, check this out. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other. So the two of them can go over on dry ground. Now, this is literally an event from the life of Joshua, right? Like when the Israelites go into the promised land, they, they have the priests come out in front of like with Joshua and the crew. The priests come up with the Ark of the Covenant. And when they touch the water, the water parts and they cross on dry ground. Same thing happening here. And so what we're understanding is the author goes, listen, Elisha, just like Joshua. Elisha, just like Joshua. In fact, there's so many similarities between these guys. I just want to break it down, some of the basic ones. So for instance, okay, we've got Elisha and we've got Joshua. Okay, so Elisha, remember one of the things that we talked about here again and again, this idea like whenever you come to a person's name in the Bible, it's not just a sound that you make in their dire direction. Like a person's name represents their character. It represents their ministry. It represents like things that God is going to do in them. Okay, well, look, here's what Elisha means. Elisha means, the, it means my God is salvation. Okay, neat. What's the significance? Well, Joshua, his name is actually very similar. Joshua, is, it means the Lord is salvation. Like, same thing, like the, the parallels there are really, really striking. And so to the point where these two men, what we encounter, like, before they step into where God wants them to be, in terms of like leading the people of God, taking them into the promised land, I mean, just think about this for a moment, okay? So you've got Moses. And he does all this, I mean, just in crazy, like supernatural things. He leads people out of, of slavery, right? But Moses, since he never actually enters the promised land, right? Like Joshua takes them there. Joshua receives like the harvest of what Moses sowed. But then the same is true with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah does all this groundwork, but he never sees people turn from idolatry. He never sees Ahab and Jezebel ousted or anything like that. But Elisha will. I mean, it, it goes back to like when we talk about like, like how, how Elijah is just testing Joshua again, or testing Elisha again, again, right? How he's like, listen, stay back, stay back, stay back. That's not an isolated thing either. I'll give you an example, okay? So like in Exodus, when, there's a story where like, when, you know, when the glory of God comes down on Mount Sinai, right? It's terrifying, like giant smoke and cloud and thunder and lightning and like the whole mountain shakes and there's fire and people are like, ah, you know? Look at this, Exodus 20, 18. Check out how people respond. There's two types of ways people respond. Now, when, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, by the way, if a mountain is smoking, I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with that either. The people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. Okay, so they understand God's on the mountain, but like God scares us. We're gonna keep at a distance. And they, here's what they said to Moses. You speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Now listen, like we're
okay with a man talking to us, but God, mm, God's terrifying. God, I want to keep it. Just, but, and, and Moses, because he knows God so well, he goes, let me tell you why God's doing it like this, just so you guys understand. And it's not to elevate me. Look at this, verse 20. Moses said to them, do not fear, for God has come to test you. Remember, Elijah and Shah, like testing him, stay back, stay back, stay back. Keep distance, keep distance, keep distance. Here's again, look, God's going to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Now, God goes ahead, um, but, but, but we see this heart in the people where what they want to do is, if, if God is there, no thank you, we'd rather have a person represent him to us. Which is why verse 21 says, the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. There's two types of people. There are those who run towards the glory and those who are terrified by it. And here's anything. So God tells you, listen, like stay off the mountain because if you, if you touch the mountain, you'll die. And there are, only two, there are only two people who go towards it. And the interesting thing about Joshua is while the people are terrified to go near the presence of God, Joshua will go as close as he is allowed. Like he's not allowed to go up and meet with God like Moses is, but he'll, literally, he'll go up as far on the mountain as he's allowed to go. So for instance, like in Exodus 24, it says this, like when Moses is about to depart, it says, so Moses rose with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. Moses and Joshua go away. Then there's the whole thing with like the golden calf because they're gone. Why? Because Joshua is just waiting. Like he wants to be as close to God as he can. And this isn't an isolated thing. This is something about, about Joshua's character. That he wants to just draw near to wherever the Lord is. So later on in Exodus, okay, uh, there, there's, a, there's a story where, where Moses sets up what's called the tent of meeting, where what would happen is the glory of God would come down, Moses would go in, he would talk with God, and people, when the glory of God would come down at the tent of meeting, people were terrified. So they would, they would stay at the edge of their tents far off and watch God with Moses out there. And this is how everybody responded, except for one guy. Look, Exodus 33, 11. Then, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face at the tent of meeting as a man speaks to his friend. And, and here's the difference. Okay, so then Moses would leave the tent. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, we continue, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. I mean, okay, even when Moses would leave, Joshua had to stay there. Like, if, if that's where God is, I want to be there. I want to stay right where he is. And that's exactly the type of guy that Elisha is. Like, wait, I can know the Lord. Like, I can walk in this. I'll burn everything. I'll give everything away. I'll, I'll get rid of all of it. Because pursuing him, walking with him, knowing him is worth that much to me. So I think this just bears a question for all of us. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Do you want God close or at a distance? Close. Hey, all right. <laughs> Evaluate this for a moment. Do you want God close or at a distance? Are you okay with God only in as far as you are comfortable? Some people, they love the idea of the Lord. But any notion of hearing from him or him doing something scares them. And so, no, thank you. Some people, they're good with you praying for them, but praying and talking to God themselves like, uh. I so, said, oh, just take a moment. Like, do you want God close or at a distance? Some people, I want, you know, I'm okay with God when I die, but here, 
No, and maybe you feel conviction, you feel fear. Let's just talk about that. Like if, this, if I talk about, all right, listen, like God speaking to people and God stretching out his hand and performing, you know, signs and wonders and miracles, okay? If that sort of evokes within you a fear, evaluate where that comes from. Like wh- why is it that you're afraid of that? So I don't, I don't want to hear God. I don't want to see him do a thing. Like, like and, and okay, why is it that you're afraid? What is it that you believe about God that would cause that? What is it you think would happen? Like, I mean, if you believe God is good, if you believe that God loves you, if you believe God acts in mercy towards you and compassion, why is it that you're afraid of hearing from him? Like, what is it exactly that would make you want to keep him at a distance? Do you want God close or do you want him at a distance? Now, Joshua, man, wherever God is, I want to be. Elisha, same way. And we're about to see that play out now. So back to 2 Kings 2, verse 9, it says this. When they had crossed, talking about the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, man, look, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. Elisha, look, how can I bless you? We both know what's about to happen. We, we both know I'm about to be gone. And listen, you've been walking with me for all these years. Hey, what, like, can, can I pray for you? Like, what can I do for you before I go? I mean, it's this, this tender moment where, where these two friends are standing together looking at each other for the last time. And what Elisha, Sha, not Ja, Sha says is wonderfully audacious. Like what he says is so ridiculous, you can't help but just smile at it. And so here's what he says. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Meaning, oh my gosh, Elijah, thank you. I don't want just what you had. I want it times two. Okay, I don't just want like, okay, you know, like the miracles and the hearing God and walking out. I like, because we serve a really big God and like, that's nice, but I know he can go bigger. I don't want just a little bit of God. I want a lot of bit of God. Okay, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's so crazy to pray. But he's all about knowing the Lord. Because here's the thing about Elisha. Elisha and, and Joshua too, he, here's the thing about his heart. And I, I would hope that this begins to erupt in your hearts as well. If you were to sort of define who Elisha is as a person, I can sum it up with this little phrase I call. I call him a God chaser. Do you know what I mean by that? Like a God chaser. All right? Like, you know, there are people who are storm chasers. Right, yeah, like, like they hear like there's a, there's a tornado happening. Like, well, let's get in the car and go. And they want to drive as close as they can to the tornado. Well, there's some people when it comes to God, like, well, I hear God's moving. I'm like, let's just go, man. Or like, well, you know, like, like we're having a prayer meeting. I'll be there because like I want to just encounter the Lord. I want to hear from Him. Like, whatever God is doing, I've got to be there. He's, like, he's a God chaser. We see like there are all kinds of people I know who are like this. I give you a few examples. Like, there's one one our church, and she didn't know I was going to call her out on this. Uh, but there's a lady in church named Cindy Zoller. And she just looked up at me and I said, like, <gasps> Cindy's an absolute God chaser. Let me tell you about Cindy. Like Cindy, like besides like she just spending time with Jesus every day. And man, then she, she comes to our church and like she, she serves in our kids program. And then she's like, man, you know what? Um, I, I, I want to connect with other uh, believers. And you know what? I have a heart for women. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to start a ladies, a ladies small group. So she starts a ladies small group. And she's like, you know what? I'll keep launching other small groups out of it so that we can keep furthering that. And then, okay, that wasn't enough. So she, she's got a small group. She's like, you know what? I, I still want to learn about the Lord some more. So I'm going to join another community group with my husband so that we can, we can keep knowing Jesus better. And then, okay, that's not, okay, you know what? There's another Bible study down the road in Milford, I think. So I'm going to go there during the week as well. And then like, okay, I'll come to church, like two or three services. Like I just, I've, I've got to go, like wherever Jesus, I've got to be a part of that. 
But that's the right heart, man. Give me another example. Like my friend Josh DePiche. Some of you have met Josh. Josh has been here preaching a couple times. He's a Haitian pastor in Philly. Josh is that guy who, I can remember you know, him knocking on my dorm room door in, in college at like nine at night on a Friday. He'd be like, hey man, I hear there's a revival happening in New Jersey. You want to go right now? <laughs> no? <laughs> but it was when they say something. I hear God is moving over. The, wherever God is, I want to be. Wherever I see him doing it, I, I, I want to step over there. I want to be part of that. Another one, my, my friend John Prickett. John's, one time, I went to school with John. One time we were coming up on summer vacation, right? And hey, our time to like take time off from Bible studying and all this stuff, right? And I said, hey, John, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing for your summer break? And he goes, oh, well, man, it's awesome. I hear God's really doing some awesome stuff in Sri Lanka. And so I've got a friend who's a missionary. I'm going to go over there and stay with them for a couple of months. Sri Lanka? Like, like cold, I, I hear Sri Lanka. I think like Batman Begins where he climbs like the frosty mountain. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like why, why would you vacation there? But what was it? Okay, God's, over, God's doing something somewhere. I want to be part of it. And I'll move whatever I've got to move to get there. God chaser. God chaser. And that's exactly who Elisha is. Listen, like, Wherever God is, I want to be. I know, I know that's not popular. This idea, like, because what we can do is, it's interesting, we can sort of spiritualize our own ineffectiveness. So, so here's what happens. Many of us, like, we can think ourselves out of experiencing the Lord and think ourselves out of blessing. So right now, even if I'm like, 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 wow, God's doing something over there. I want to go see it. Some of you are like, well, God is, God is everywhere, isn't he? Like, why do I need to drive somewhere? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Others are like, Look, and you take it a step further. You go like, well, well God knows everything, so why should I pray? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't need to see anything because I'm so mature in my faith that, you know, like, I, 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 you know, whatever, I'll, I'll see everything in glory. But right now I'm good at just sort of experiencing life the way everyone else is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yes, faith is the evidence of things unseen. Yes, you should trust the Lord no matter what you see or don't see. 100%. But understand something, um, and maybe you just need to write this down. It's not wrong to desire the Lord or the things of the Lord. It's not. It's not wrong to desire the Lord or the things of the, like, to have a heart to, like, like wherever I see God doing, yeah, is he everywhere? Absolutely. But there are times, man, the glory of God touches down in certain places, and he does ridiculous things. That's not wrong to want to wanna be part of whatever God is. Are you kidding me? In fact, look, even if you're going to be like, well, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think you should emphasize supernatural stuff so much. Well, maybe. Um, there is a precedent for people abusing that. Yet, like one of the, in, in the Bible, you even find that. Like, there's a book called 1 Corinthians where, where one of the things that the Apostle Paul is responding to primarily is an abuse of, of the pursuit of the supernatural. And yet, even the people who are doing it wrong, this is what he writes in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, pursue love. And okay, it's not about you, it's about others. It's not about you getting something, it's about serving other people. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love. Yes, it's not about you. It's about them. But like earnestly desire, and this word that we translate as earnestly desire is the Greek word zelo. It's where we get our word zealous from. It's sort of like passionately going after, being all about it. It's good that you want that. In fact, you want to know what gift you should seek? Prophecy. What? There you have a Bible command saying, go ahead, go after those gifts. Go after hearing from the Lord. Go after seeing all this stuff that God does. 
from a place of love, not about a place of, you know, elevating yourself. But just check that for a moment. Check that for a moment. You have a Bible command. Go where the Lord is. Like, listen for him. Seek that he would put those things in you, that he would activate them in you, that they would come out of you. It's not bad. Because here's the thing, in case you didn't know this, when it comes down to pursuing the things of God, when it comes down to, like, you know, you look at things and you have a burden for the lost, you have a burden to, to bring healing, or you have a, like, you're just praying, like, God, would you speak to me in that way? Would you use me in that way? Here's something just to understand about how God works. Here's Elisha, right? And before Elisha does anything, God is telling Elijah, go anoint Elisha. Here, here's why I'm bringing this up, okay? Because, and you take notes, write this down as well. You cannot have a desire for God that he didn't put in you. You can't. You cannot have a desire for God that he himself did not put in you. That some of you, like, you believe that God is putting up with you. You believe, okay, that, all right, like, like you're, in your mind, in your heart, you believe that God's somehow rejecting you, and you think, you think, okay, like, God loves somebody else but not me. But I want God. And so you feel devastated in this loop, like, oh, man, wh- like, I want him, but he doesn't want him. Don't you think you couldn't want him if he didn't want you to want him? I know that sounds like a little bit like a chick flick, but like, look, you, 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 you could not desire the Lord apart from him d- wanting to draw you in and know him. If you want God, it's because he wants you. We tracking? Look, here's how Jesus says it in, in John 6, He says, no one, who? No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Meaning you can't even call on the name of Jesus if Jesus himself didn't want you to. So pay attention to that burden in you because what if God himself placed it there? Spoiler, he did. <laughs> and how many of us, okay, as I'm, as I'm preaching and teaching today, and we're talking about Elisha, and you hear about like, this double portion. There's just something in you that's rising. It's like, yes, I want it. Yes, like, okay, I, I want to hear God. I want to go minister to people. I want to go reach my community. I want to reach my family. I want to see God stretch out his hand and perform signs. and wonders. Like, I want to be wherever God is. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I, listen, can, can I just say, like, I don't want to live a life that can be lived apart from God. I, like this, if this is all that there is, it was just me talking, and we put on a little pageant, we, we play some songs, we sing Kumbaya, and then we leave. We don't, Keith, that wasn't a slam on worship. Look. <laughs> if, this is, if this is all that there is, man, how shallow. But I have to believe that these desires that are here, man, I, that God wants to do something through us, us. I, I look at the scriptures, and anyone else like this? I look at the scriptures, and I go, I don't see anything here that says this is supposed to stop. I want what I read here. I, I, I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see blind eyes open. I, I want to hear the voice of the Lord and speak into people's lives that I don't know. I, 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 I want to see miracles. Like, I read this. I'm like, I want what this thing tells me God does. And I don't think I get that desire by 
accident because there have been too many times in my life where God has placed me in the path of people who have it. Look, I, there, there are two big things, I mean, like, that, that I just want to see God do. I want to see God stretch out his hand and heal. And years ago, when I was living up in, in Boston, of all the places in the world, there came a, a lady whose, whose name is uh, Heidi Baker. She's a missionary in Mozambique. And if you don't know, Heidi, Heidi and her husband Roland's, like their ministry, it's categorized by, by the miraculous. Like they, their, their mode of evangelism is they walk into a town and they go, all right, bring out your, your blind and your deaf people. <laughs> and then God heals them. They say, all right, let me tell you who did that. And I want that. And of everywhere, well, wouldn't you know it? She decides to fly to the United States and speak about half an hour from my house. So I go and I, and I, and I listen. She's like, you know what? I came here with a word that the Lord wants to do here what he's doing with us. I said, I just want to pray for you guys to impart that. I'm in, I'll take it twice. So she prays for me. It's deposited here. I want, I want to hear the Lord. Like, like prophetically so. <laughs> and summer before last, my friend Bob Weed invites me over to, to Eagle's Nest. They were hosting uh, a guy named Harold Eberly, who's a, just an insanely prophetic dude. He said, hey, like, like, I want you to come. I want you, um, like Harold will minister to you to you, so I go. My man looks at me. He doesn't know me from Adam. He's telling me stuff from my life that nobody in that room knew. And so I leave. And I'm like, well, that was cool. And I wrote it down. I have it recorded and all that stuff, you know. But the night ends. I'm sitting in my car and uh, there's just something stirring in me. And I'm like, God, I thank you for that, but I don't want to hear you from somebody else. I want to hear you. Like, I, I don't want a word. I want to know you like that. I want that clarity of your voice. I want you, when I'm praying for people to hear too, because they need it. It's just, it's just churning in me. And there's something in me that, that just began to like stir, like, well, go ask him for it. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. You didn't know me. Like, that, I feel kind of weird doing that. But it just keeps stirring up. And I look, and I'm sitting in my car, and everybody's leaving. And Harold's leaving Eagle's Nest, and he's going to get in his car. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so awkward. So... <laughs> So I'm, I'm oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. He gets in the car, I'm like, mm, fine. So I get out, I, I, I leave my car, I go over, and I knock on his car window. He probably thought I was going to, you know, mug him or something, right? So I knock, I'm like, hey. Um. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, um, I want what you have. Can, can, you, can you pray for me? And he goes, Yeah. So he gets out, puts his hands on my ears, puts his hands on my eyes. Like, Father, would you open his ears? Would you, would you open his eyes so that he can see and he can hear, you know, right? And ever since then, daggone it, if it's, it's the craziest thing. It's not on command, but how many times have I been praying with somebody and I know something I shouldn't know, but I know it. And, and here's why I'm, I'm telling you all this. Not so you'd be like, well, at least Bert got superpowers. No, no. <laughs> because the Bible says that the, the role of pastors and teachers is to equip the saints. I believe that the things that have been deposited in me are for you. You do the ministry of the church. Hey, you know, like some of the greatest healing miracles we've seen here, I didn't pray for anybody. It's people in small groups. Y you know why? Because the church 
glorifies Jesus. And it's about Jesus, not us. And so if there's something in you today, it's like, I want that. Your heart is in alignment with that of Elisha, and I believe you're going to get it for his glory. So here's Elisha, and he says to Elijah, he goes, he goes, may I have a double portion? And I love that Elijah looks at him and he goes, well, you've asked a hard thing. <laughs> Yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it'll be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Okay, so now we're, is he going to get it? It says, as they, as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. Whoa, <laughs> right? And so here's how Elijah responds. It says, and Elijah saw it and he cried, my father, my father. In other words, ah! right? <coughs> <coughs> my father, you know, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. He never saw him again. But he saw the thing. Remember, if you see me taken, it'll be. He saw it. He's going to get it. And so he took hold of his own clothes and tore them, it says, tore them into pieces. Meaning he's making a break with who he used to be. I was Elisha before. I was servant of the prophet. That's where I was, but no more. I'm going to operate under a different mantle now. It says, and he took up, oh, it's getting good. He took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. Remember that cloak. Remember all the way back last week when this thing began, right? And Elijah's just plowing fields and Elijah walks up and just throws a cloak around him. There it is and it's his now, okay? And he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Okay, so he went back to the place where he'd just seen God do a miracle, where he'd just seen God part the waters and he's standing there. Am I going to step into what God has for me? Am I going to step into this thing? Am I going to be the one that God says that I am? Is this the moment? So he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the wall, just like Elijah did. Bam! And he said, I love this. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? I mean, God, are you with me? God, are you with me? I can't do this without you. Hey, hey, you understand this? We can't do this without him, okay? God, are, are you with me? I will go where you go. I will say what you say. I will do what you want me to do, but only what you want me to do. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? This stops here if he is not here. God, are you with me? He stood at the bank, and look at this. And when he struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and the other. And Elisha went over, and that begins it. That begins it. Double portion spirit. The, the books of First and Second Kings record and attribute eight miracles to Elijah and 16 to Elisha. And it begins right there. It begins right there, okay? I asked, I asked. The world is changed when people are bold enough just to ask God. What would happen if you just asked him? Here's the thing I want you to understand. Here's Elisha stepping into the thing that God had for him from before there was a him. And it's this time for us now too. It is time, write this down. It is time for you to put on your destiny. 
It is time for you. Okay, I'm not going to wait anymore. Like, I believe that right now, this is the moment where God is going to activate things that he has put inside of you for years. This is the moment when you step into it, that he's been bringing you to this moment. Okay, for Elisha, it's been year after year after year after year, but it starts right here. This is when people will begin to see God do insanely amazing things, when the, the idolatry of Baal will be broken, when like, axe heads will float, waters will be purified, food will be changed. I mean, like all these insane things will happen, but it starts in this moment when the glory of God comes down and he puts on the cloak. It is time for you to step into your destiny. Are you ready? Then with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's we're gonna pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you now for my brothers and my sisters. I call out the things that you've placed in them for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, we activate those things. For those who have gifts of healing, we bring them out now in Jesus' name. For those who have gifts of prophecy, we bring them out in Jesus' name. For those who have works of helps, those who, who have tongues, those who have interpretation, those, those who have words of knowledge, those who have words of wisdom, those who have generosity, those who have hospitality, those who have administration, we call out all of those things in Jesus' name for the glory of the one true God. Lord, we ask you for your glory and your glory alone. Would you stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders through us to lift up the name of your son Jesus and it's for the name of Jesus alone in fact healing and salvation only come in Jesus name for the one who is sick be healed in Jesus name and understand that the one who did that is the one who rose from the dead who bore your sin on the cross and rose for you in Jesus' name, we bring this out. Father, in fact, I want to take it one step further. I want to pray boldly as my brother Elisha prayed. I want to ask you for a double portion of those who came before us. We don't want just what we've seen other things do. No, we want double it because, God, you're big. You're, and you're awesome. And wherever you are, we want to be. And so, Lord, we ask you, in Jesus' name, would you bring all these things about? Would you set my brothers and my sisters down the course of their lives? Huh. Right now, for the one who's walking in, in, in the fuzzy, God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want from me? What do you, what do you want me to do? In Jesus' name, I bring clarity. Hear God's call on your life. In the next day, the road that you're going to walk down for the rest of it's going to become available to you. Walk. Walk. We release you now in Jesus' name. Amen.